Did you know that one third of all blindness in the world is due to cataracts? Yes, you heard me right. In a recent study done in 2020, there are an estimated 36 million blind people living worldwide, 12 million of whom have had their vision affected by cataracts. But what exactly are cataracts? Would you be able to identify someone living with a cataract? And most importantly, what can we do as medical professionals to help? Hi everyone, welcome to Palpable Pods for Docs. My name is Brandon. And my name is Sophia. In today's podcast, we will be discussing cataracts. For visual aids on today's topic, please head over to our website at palpable.com for high yield revision notes and a question bank. Today is a very special podcast, as joining us we have Vipul, who is an optometrist here in the UK. Now Vipul is very qualified to speak about a wide array of ophthalmology conditions, as he has received special training to become MEX certified. Now being fairly new to the UK, I first learned of MEX a few weeks ago when I was given the opportunity to meet and shadow Vipul for a day in his eye care service. So Vipul. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what MEX is? Sure. MEX stands for the Minor Eye Care Service or the Minor Eye Condition Service that's been working as part of the NHS. It's been ongoing in most of the UK cities over the past five or six years. And the whole idea of MEX is to try and help the NHS streamline the kind of patients that have various different eye conditions. So, for example, if uh, if a patient was to walk into the A&E or any of the accident and emergency departments with a a red painful eye or any other foreign bodies in the eyes or flashes and floaters in their eyes, anything to do with the physical symptoms or the vision-related symptoms, instead of them them having to wait several hours before they can see an um, ophthalmology uh, surgeon, they are sent to people like myself who are known as MEX optometrists who are fully qualified to, to, to look at the eyes, to be able to diagnose the health conditions and we are also able to manage a majority of the eye conditions without the patient having to see a consultant ophthalmologist. To get everyone on the same page to start off with, we need to define what a cataract is and what we're talking about. So would you be able to kind of kick us off and talk to us about like the relevant anatomy and what you think our listeners need to be aware of when talking about cataracts? Yes, of course. So simply put, as we know, all of us have a natural optical lens inside the, inside the eye itself. And as we all age, that lens becomes hazier. And that is essentially what we call a cataract. And that haze can occur at different areas of the lens, the front of the lens, the, the back of the lens, the side of the lens due to various reasons. So the, the kind of cataract that someone has can be fairly different, but essentially the lens has various layers like that of an onion. And as we age, each and every layer, layer grows. and the number of layers grow so much over the years that almost 100% people over the age of 65 will end up developing a cataract. I'm really glad that you brought up that prevalence, Fipple. As we said in the intro, about a third of people who have had their eyesight affected have had it affected by cataracts. And I'm really glad that you also mentioned that starting at age 65, it becomes so likely for someone to develop cataracts and it becomes even more likely as you get older. With all that said, I can only imagine 
that you see quite a large number of patients with cataracts. Bipul, do you mind telling us a bit about what someone who has a cataract might come into the office complaining of? Sure. Well, as we know, because uh, cataracts don't have an impact generally on the actual health of the eye itself, because they're purely a visual and an optical thing, the only symptom that patients will usually you know, present with would be a drop in the vision, a very, very gradual drop in the vision. They may also say that they're having difficulty looking at things under certain lighting. Uh, they will be struggling with nighttime driving, glare, and they, they will also struggle with a loss of you know, contrast, especially for blues and the shorter wavelength colors because cataracts are naturally yellow in color. Okay. So what we know so far is just how prevalent cataracts are and how important it is that we know about them. Um, and that, as you, you told us, you know, a bit about the presentation, uh, these individuals tend to come in, you know, it's this gradual painless vision loss that they typically present with. Now, many of our listeners are in the process of preparing for exams. And so we want to cover as much detail um, about cataracts as possible. So one thing that's useful in exam questions is understanding the risk factors uh, that predispose people to developing these conditions. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit more about the specific risk factors for developing cataracts. Yes, absolutely. So uh, the first one that we all know of is age, as even if someone is absolutely healthy for, for whatever age they are, if they're just over the age of 65, it is almost certain that they will have a cataract. Other than that, things like smoking is a major risk factor. Diabetes also is also a major risk factor. Diabetes, because of the variation in the sugar levels, the lens inside the eye can swell and shrink, which means that people with uh, diabetes can have a cataract much, much sooner than someone who, do, who doesn't have diabetes. Uh, we may get someone with diabetes having a cataract surgery on average about 10 years sooner than someone who, who doesn't have diabetes. Other than that, the use of steroids, long-term use of steroids leads to what is the most common type of cataract called a posterior subcapsular cataract, which is essentially a cataract that impacts the back surface of the lens. So that is steroid use. Trauma uh, will, will also give us a certain type of a cataract. UV exposure definitely makes cataracts grow faster despite the all, all of the natural layers in the eyes. A family history will also be a factor. Again, a family history may be a risk factor which can change when someone develops a cataract. But even if there is no family history or no known family history of it, someone will obviously have a cataract. And one of the other things, it's not very common in the UK, but if someone's being electrocuted, they may also develop a kind of a cataract. I did not know that, that bit about electrocution. So I definitely learned something there. Bipul, thank you so much for sharing those risk factors with us. Now, one of the things I like to do on these podcasts is I like to paint a really clear image of what someone who has a cataract might look like. So you'll be in your service, someone who is over the age of 65 might come in complaining of gradual vision loss. They might have some risk factors like a history of diabetes. Maybe they've been using steroids for a long time. And in your mind, you're thinking, wow, maybe this is a case of cataracts. What are some of the questions that you would ask that patient? How would you go about examining that patient? And are there any investigations that you could use to confirm your suspicions? Sure. So thankfully, in a way, unlike most other eye conditions, cataracts have symptoms. So if someone has had a gradual painless drop in the vision over the past few months or years, it is most likely to be a cataract. The way we do the investigations after we have done the usual history and symptom taking, 
we would then go on to, to doing what we call a slit map examination, where we examine the, the front surface of the eye, and then we reach, reach the lens in the eye, where we can physically examine the, the type of cataract they have, the location of the cataract, and how dense or how advanced a cataract is, following which we then have to check their vision, because that is almost literally the only way to quantify a cataract, is to check how much of an impact it is having on a person's vision, as several NHS CCGs, which are the clinical commissioning groups that authorize funding for any sort of a surgery, as you know, the CCGs have different visual criteria that if a person can read fourth line on the chart, they don't need a cataract surgery or they don't qualify for the funding for the cataract surgery. So after we've checked the person's vision is then we can then decide if that person needs to be referred for a cataract surgery or not. Okay. And just a bit of a follow-up question here. Does the severity of a cataract affect someone's ability to drive here in the UK? Yes, very much so. As you know, going back to what I was saying about being able to uh, quantify someone's vision, there is a legal vision standard uh, that we have to adhere to in the UK. So if that patient is not um, falling under the legal DVLA driving criteria, then we need to refer them for a cataract urgently instead of routinely, which we would do in someone who does match the DVLA driving standards. So I think we're coming to the end of this podcast, but I wanted to just touch on whether when you're examining someone where you suspect it might be a cataract, if there were any other kind of important differentials to also consider when looking at these patients. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there could be a range of other, other eye conditions which may have a similar set of symptoms. For example, diabetes, like you said, diabetes can, you know, can cause macular edema, which is the swelling of the central part of the back of the eye, which can also cause a drop in the vision. That is also gradual. That is also, also painless. The only way to check for any other eye condition, for example, macular degeneration or uh, diabetes mellitus at the back of the eye, is by, is by putting some drops in their eyes to dilate the pupils, and then we can have a look at the back of the eyes and, and rule out any other underlying health conditions. All right, so that's it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope today's discussion has been helpful to you. To test your application of today's knowledge, head over to plubable.com for an extensive question bank and revision notes. See you next time. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Plabable with special thanks to Vipul for joining us today.